What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins, and I've got Daniel Locke in studio again this week. Daniel, what's going on? Nothing much, Jacob. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Looking forward to a fun hour. No problem. Appreciate you stopping by again. Of course, you were here last week for our first time ever having a guest, and we had a lot of fun, so I'm glad you decided to come back and, and give it another run. So this week, kind of a couple announcements. Of course, this show was not live, but it is a recording now, so it will be obviously wherever you're getting your podcast. You can always look up Moonlight Madness on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Transistor, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you tune in. Next week, we will be live again from Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m., right here on WGL 91.1 FM. So with that, we will jump into the big three. So number one on the big three this week, the NBA is underway, finally. The NBA regular season getting started throughout this week. Opening night, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks take on the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors take on the Los Angeles Lakers. The Bucks were able to beat the Brooklyn Nets 127-104. to Giannis had a, a heck of a game yet again. He had 34 points or something like that, I think, and just dominated the Brooklyn Nets. And then the Warriors taking down the Lakers on the road. Stephen Curry with a triple-double to lead the Warriors to a 121-114 lead. Daniel, what would you think about it? It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I liked seeing Steph Curry ball out. It reminded me of my middle school days a little bit, and um, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, he didn't shoot the ball well, Steph Curry. He shot the ball, ter- I think he was like 5 of 21 or something like that on, on shooting for the night, but he had 18, 10, and 10. And so – it was his sixth career triple-double, and it was his first one since 2016. So that's over five years ago since Steph Curry has had a triple-double. That's but he, crazy. Right, exactly. But he So he went in there, and the Warriors played really well. You know, the Lakers have a lot of good a lot of good players, a lot of good stars, big names, but a lot of those guys are older. You've got, obviously, LeBron starting his 19th season, I think. Is that correct? His 19th season in the league. Yeah, that's right. And then you've got... They have Carmelo Anthony. They have Russell Westbrook. They have Anthony Davis. They have Rajon Rondo. They have all these guys that you just don't even realize they have until they bring them into the game. So a lot of big names, but a lot of older names as well, and that's one of the things people talked about coming into the season for the Lakers. Yeah, and um, I saw this uh, picture earlier today on Instagram where it was like AD in a Pelicans jersey, and it basically just went down the line of all their players, like where they were at you know, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there, and how they're all together now chasing a ring. And that's a scary thought, but it'll be interesting to see if they can, in fact, get it done. The Lakers definitely probably the the favorite in the West with all of their big names and their superstars. And, of course, when you have LeBron James, arguably the best player in the NBA, they're always going to be a threat. But opening night, the Warriors came in did what they had to do and got the job done. I think the Warriors are going to be good this year. They're thinking about Klay Thompson coming back in the next few months once he finally gets healthy and hopefully 
you know, hopefully he just stays healthy because, Lord, I just hate seeing him hurt because he's such a generational talent when it comes to shooting the ball. So hopefully he's able to get healthy, come back, and I think the Warriors are going to be a real threat. And I'll tell you one player that I really, really like, Jordan Poole. That guy can straight ball, and he is playing so good. He played so good on opening night that I really think he's going to be a huge, huge impact on that Golden State team. Yeah, I agree. Um, he blew me away, and I was extremely impressed. I'm not easy to impress when it comes to sports, and I have to give him props for his performance last night. And Jordan Poole, I actually have him as my most improved player. I think he's going to be the most improved at the end of this season. I think he gets that award. We'll see. But in the one game that we have so far, I really like the way he plays. I really liked his impact on that Golden State team. So we'll see where that goes. But even before the season started, we had a lot of drama coming in to opening night. Of course, Ben Simmons, the ongoing situation there in Philadelphia. And just on opening day of the NBA, the Sixers suspended him from the team. So apparently what happened was at practice, Ben Simmons for the 76ers, he just decided that he didn't want to practice. He was at practice not participating in drills, kind of doing his own thing off to the side. And the Sixers kicked him off the court. They kicked him out of practice. They suspended him for a game. They charged him a a huge fine. And he's not playing in their first game. So that just goes... That just adds on to what's been happening there in Philly. That's just crazy to think about. Like, if you're you're a star player on this team and you need to know how to carry yourself, and there might be a little more to the story there, maybe some stuff that was said that didn't resonate well with him. But like I said, come on, man, you got to lead your team. Yeah, and we saw the comments from Joel Embiid, the star center for the 76ers, and he straight up said, I don't even care about that guy anymore. He said, whatever that guy does is on him, but that's not our problem anymore. So, from what I'm seeing is, I think it's time for for Ben Simmons to get out of Philadelphia. And the problem is, the Sixers have been trying to trade him. They've been trying to trade him for over a month now. But the problem is, nobody wants Ben Simmons for a lot. So, nobody's willing to give a whole lot for him. And the 76ers, they want a superstar that they can still compete with. That's their words. They said, we want to trade Ben Simmons for another superstar to help us compete immediately. And they're just not getting those offers. Yeah, and um, like you said, I if I'm an NBA general manager, I would not want to give up a lot for him. I'm thinking kind of the lower level of the higher mid-tier talent at best, maybe one or two of those guys in a pick. Nothing crazy, nothing, no top 20 players, I don't think. And you hate to see it for a guy like Ben Simmons because the dude can play basketball. He, he may not can. be able to shoot, but he can defend. He can rebound. He has speed. He's smart. He knows how to play basketball. All the things he can do well besides shoot, obviously. But you just hate to see the way he's acting because his stock is not high as it is, and him acting the way he's acting right now only is going to make his stock go down. So why would a team want to take him if he's just going to act like this? Exactly. Like You, you can't afford to be a locker room cancer because these teams talk to each other. They have Twitter. They see what's going on. Like in in today's just age of mass media everywhere, you can't hide from it. You really can't. That's exactly right. And not just on social media, but the owners and the coaches throughout the league, they talk. They talk constantly, and they talk about these players and how they act on their teams and how they how their presence is felt in the locker room. And, of course, with Ben Simmons, that's just bleeding over into 
everywhere, you know, everybody's seeing what's going on in Philadelphia right now and seeing how Ben Simmons is reacting because obviously he doesn't want to be there anymore. But you can't act like that when you don't get your way, especially when you're playing at the highest level when you're playing professional basketball for the NBA. Right, and it's it's sad to see because I like Ben Simmons a lot. Um, he's one of my favorites every year. I always try to get him in fantasy just because he can rack up the points. But, you know, just – you can't afford to be the type of guy that people don't want to play with. And to go along with the Ben Simmons drama, of course, there was the Kyrie Irving drama. We talked about that last week on the show. And he's still saying he's not going to take the COVID-19 vaccine, so we'll see where that goes. But that may have been something that the Brooklyn Nets were missing when they played the Bucks on opening night. Of course, Kyrie Irving didn't play, and the Bucks ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets 127-104. So I think it's a presence that the Nets may feel, you know, that or they're going to feel like they're missing when Irving doesn't play for them this season. And we'll see how long this goes. Yeah, I could definitely see either side bending or breaking at some point. Like what I think is personally think is the most likely scenario is just knowing Kyrie. I think he'll get it, but he'll kind of tell the team to keep it quiet that he ended up getting it. And just, so he just he still gets to feel like he won and people still get to think he won, but that's why I think we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But so those those are some of the big storylines coming into the NBA season, and then of course just the NBA season getting underway. We saw four of the top teams in the league play on opening night, and now all the teams are going to start getting into into their action. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of games between in the next few nights, so all the teams are going to be in action, and then the season's going to roll on. As we know, it's an 82 game season, so a lot of exciting basketball. I think it's going to be a great NBA season. There's a lot of talent. The rookies are extremely like talented, and they look really well so far. So we'll see how that goes. So, Dana, let's run through some predictions for this NBA season. Let's run it. So give me your pick for MVP. Who's going to be the MVP, the most valuable player at the end of this NBA season? Well, this might be the safe choice, but it's what I honestly believe. I'm going with Luka Doncic. I like it. That's a that's a, a bold pick. There's not a ton of people picking that, but we've seen Luka Doncic since he's been in the league. He's only gotten better every single season. He has gotten better. He leads his team to the playoffs. He leads them in scoring. He's just an, a, a generational talent, and he learns so much from overseas. And he's brought it. And he's been just a heck of a ball player in the NBA. So I like that pick. That's a bold pick. You got Luka Doncic winning the MVP. I'm going to take Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets. I like Kevin Durant, especially if Kyrie Irving does not play for as long as we, you know, think we may he well, as long as we think he may not play, I think Kevin Durant is just gonna be the the deathly player that he is. He's just so good at scoring and he just can't be stopped. So that's gonna be my prediction. Kevin Durant will be your MVP at the end of this NBA season. Okay. So rookie of the year. I have Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. I think Jalen Green, of course, Auburn missed out on him. He went to the G League out of high school, made a little bit of money, a couple million dollars over there, and now he's into the NBA as a rookie for the Houston Rockets. I, The guy's just good. He has length. He can shoot. He has speed. And I just think he's a, he's a great basketball player. I think he's going to be a huge impact on that Houston team, a Houston team that's struggling and needs a talent like him. So I think Jalen Green's going to be your rookie of the year. I got you. That's a good pick. I'm going with Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. Um I've been watching him in the preseason, just stuff I've seen on social media. He can shoot, and he can rebound, and he can pass. So just a fully dimensional player 
Um, I'm really excited to see how he does for the Raptors this year. All righty. So now your defensive player of the year, who do you got? I am going to go with Joel Embiid. Okay, Joel Embiid. Actually, you know, I'm sorry. I don't normally do this. I'm going to change it on the fly. I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo. Oh, you're going to go with Adebayo. Okay. I like Adebayo. I, he is he's a fun player to watch. He was fun in college when he played at Kentucky and then now with the Heat, obviously when he made that finals run with Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat. But he can play, man. He And he plays hard. He's so good on the defensive end. He's lengthy. And he hustles. So I like that pick. I'm actually going to go. I can't decide on which one I want, so I'm going to pick two. I know it's not fair, but it's my show. So I'm going to pick Rudy Gobert or Anthony Davis. I can't figure out which one I want to choose, but I think both of those guys, they've won it before, and I think both of them are just so good on the defensive end. Obviously, Anthony Davis being deadly on the offensive end as well, a little bit more than Rudy Gobert. But I like both of those guys. So either one of them, I'm okay if they win Defensive Player of the Year. Fair. So now my sixth man of the year. You ready for this one? Oh, yeah. Derrick Rose. Okay. I, I could see that. Um, I like Derrick Rose. I He was the first basketball jersey I ever had. I had his Bulls jersey. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I've always been a big Derrick Rose believer. Um, I am going to rock with former San Antonio Spur, current Brooklyn Net, Patty Mills. Patty Mills. I like that pick. He, I think he can be a huge role player. For the Nets. Coming off the bench as that sixth man, I think Patty Mills has a lot of skill. He has a lot of smarts when it comes to playing basketball. You said he used to play, obviously, for the San Antonio Spurs. He was good back then, man. He played behind Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili for a long time. Played with them, obviously, but he he's good. and He he knows what he's doing, so I like that pick. I like, I like that sixth man of the year. My most improved player at the end of this season, I think, I talked about it a little bit ago, Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors. I think he is just taking that next step in his career that he can shoot and he can run point when Steph's not in the game. So I like Jordan Poole as my most improved player at the end of this season. Okay, that's good. Um, This might be seen as a homer pick. I don't really care. I'm going with Jalen Brown and my Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown, I like it. He he has room to improve for sure, and I think he can get there. I think he can really shoot the ball and really have a, a huge, huge impact on that Boston Celtics team. So I like that pick. And then ultimately... Daniel, who is going to be the 2021-2022 NBA champion next June? You know, I'm not going to go with the easy pick and say the Lakers. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Bucks repeat. Actually, that's not a limb, but the Bucks repeat. You're calling for a Milwaukee Bucks repeat. Well, Daniel, sure. I have the same pick as well. I really do think Milwaukee has just got it. I think Giannis is he's playing top-tier basketball. He's at... Some would say it might be his peak. He may get better. Who knows? But I think Milwaukee has – they have the the players to do it. I think the coaches to do it. And the East is – it's good, but it's not great. The West is definitely harder than the East right now, which is crazy because it used to not be that way. But now the East is – you know, it, it's diminished at some some level. But I do. I think the Bucks can get it done. I think the Bucks will beat – either the Lakers or the Nuggets in the finals. But I have Milwaukee repeating as well as 2021-2022 NBA champions. Well, that's going to wrap up number one for the big three. You're listening to Moonlight Madness on WGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Goins, and I've got Daniel Locke in studio with me yet again this week. We're rolling on with the big three with number two. 
baseball postseason. We're talking about it again, folks. If you like baseball, then you're happy because we're going to talk about MLB in the postseason. If you're not a baseball fan, it's almost over, I promise. World Series is coming up. We're right in the midst of the championship series. So if you're not a baseball fan here, just hang with me. I promise we're almost there. But if you are a baseball fan, you're going to want to listen up because we're going to go over everything. And you already know what's going on. You already know that these championship series have been incredible so far, Daniel. Yeah, they really have. And, you know, until yesterday, I was convinced that my Red Sox and my Braves were untouchable. But, you know, yesterday, yeah, that didn't go so well. Um, Atlanta blew it. Boston really blew it. Um, Hopefully both teams can bounce back tonight. Uh, Red Sox get underway in a little under an hour. So I'm looking forward to watching them play, and hopefully they can take this uh, game at Fenway. For sure. So the Atlanta Braves playing the Los Angeles Dodgers over in the NLCS. Braves took a 2-0 lead at home. They took advantage of having two games over in Atlanta. So they went up 2-0, and then they had to go to a place to play where they had lost nine out of their last ten games. That's at Dodger Stadium. And that streak, unfortunately for the Braves, held up in game three where the Braves fell to the Dodgers. So now it's 2-1. The Braves are still up 2-1 with two games to go in Atlanta. So they will play two more games, or excuse me, two more games in L.A., and then they go back to Atlanta for 6-7 and if necessary. But so far, the Braves and the Dodgers, that series has been all about pitching until game three. Those, Those two, the first two games, low scoring, starters went five, six, seven innings into the game before we saw the bullpen. But, man, game three, starters didn't make it through, what, three innings? Right. Um, Walker Bueller got pulled in the third. Um, and then I'm not sure how long the – I'm yeah. not sure how long Ian Anderson made it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was that long either. Right. And so game three was busted open. The Dodgers able to take that win. So now, again, it's 2-1. But Atlanta, they're still up in the series. That's one thing Atlanta's got to remember. And, of course, last year they were up 3-1 on the Dodgers in the ALCS before blowing that where the Dodgers would go on to win and go on to the World Series. Yeah. So the Braves just have to be careful, but they're going to have to – got to win one in L.A. That's the one yeah. thing the Braves have to do. They have three games in L.A. they got to win one. If you can just pick up game four or game five, I really like their odds just having to win one of six or seven in Atlanta at home. Oh, it's so important. Um, Julio Urias is on the bump for L.A. tonight. That's always a challenge. Um, Huascar Inoa for the Braves. He's he's brought the heat this year, and I really, really hope that he can go toe-to-toe with Urias. I would be so down for just another classic pitching matchup because that's what I think benefits the Braves. For sure. The the pitching definitely goes in the Braves' way in the fact of – if they try to get into a shootout with the bats, the Dodgers are going to win. That's just how it is. The Dodgers are too dangerous hitting the ball that the Braves can't afford to get in a hitting battle with them. Yeah, they aren't a 106-win team for nothing. Exactly. That's exactly right. And the one thing about a 100-win team is you cannot give them a chance in the postseason, especially the Dodgers, because history shows in the last five or six years that the Dodgers are just they are too good. You, If you get ahead on them, you've, you've got to take advantage of it. So the Dodgers and the Braves – Braves up 2-1. I think game four is it. I think whoever wins game four, 
mark this down now, whoever wins game four in the NLCS between the Braves and the Dodgers, whoever wins game four will win the series and go on to the World Series. I think this game is that important. I think it's important because for the Braves, if this game goes 2-2, they've lost two in a row, playing the third game in a row at Dodger Stadium for game five, I just don't think the Braves can get the momentum back. I'm not saying they can't, but I don't think they could. And so I think tonight for game four is huge. I think the winner of game four for L.A. and and Atlanta will go on to win this series. That's my prediction. I have a very similar prediction. I think if whoever can win game four also wins game five, that's going to do it. Because obviously if the Braves did that, they'd move on. Um, But with L.A., they would have a 3-2 lead. They've got to go back to Atlanta, where, and they've done very well in Atlanta in the past. It's just that's what history says. And that just goes back to the classic Braves Dodgers matchups in the 60s and 70s with Chan Ho Park and Dale Murphy and just those teams. But um, yeah, if you're Atlanta, you got to pick up one here. And then if you do win game four, you got to truck it win game five. No doubt about it. So the Braves are up again. They're up 2-1 in the series against the Dodgers. Game 5 and 6, or excuse me, game 4 and 5 in LA, game 6 and 7 in Atlanta if necessary. LA or excuse me, Atlanta can wrap up that series in LA if they win two straight. Not sure if they will, but they can. So the Braves are up 2-1 in the NLCS on the Dodgers. Now over to the ALCS where we have the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. Currently tied at two. Astros tying it up in game four. That series is all locked up at two, Daniel. Yep, and my take on this, whoever wins tonight wins it. So you're saying whoever wins game five, that's going to be who goes on to win the series. Yep, I will will put my money where my mouth is on that. So the Red Sox and the Astros, the opposite of what the Dodgers and the Braves are doing. It's all about offense in the ALCS right now. Yeah, and it's unbelievable how the Red Sox had it tied up with a bow last night in that seven-run ninth inning, and I was just watching that in utter disbelief. I could not believe it. And what's fascinating about something like that is a team like the Astros, who I find very similar to the Dodgers in the NL, is when they get hot hitting the ball, they're hot and they're on. That's a team that They either swing and miss at everything or they swing and hit everything. There's really no in-between, and that's why they're so dangerous is because they're never out of a game, and they're never out of a series, really. And so that's why I think game four was so big for Houston to win and pull that series 2-2 because if if Boston goes up 3-1, I think Boston's playing well enough, or they were before, they were playing well enough to win that series. Yeah, especially since if they had one last night, you can wrap it up at Fenway tonight. So uh, last night, I really think that that might come back and bite the Red Sox in the butt. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But that's just been a fascinating series. A lot of runs if you're an offensive baseball guy. you know. But definitely tune in to the ALCS. But Game 5 in Boston. No, is that right? Or is Game 5 in Houston? Uh, game 5 is in Boston. The MLB is doing this weird format. Most of the time, it's they play the team with home field advantage is one, two, five, and seven at home. Now it's one, two, six, seven, which is weird. Oh, they're doing the the two, three, two, right? Right. Okay, got you. Okay, so so yeah, Boston and Houston playing game five, 
in a decisive Game 5 to go up 3-2 in the series. Then, of course, you only have to win one out of the next two. But both series have just been incredible so far in baseball. So tune in for baseball postseason. you got the NLCS 2-1 Braves, and you have the ALCS tied up 2-2 between the Red Sox and the Astros. So now we can roll on to number three. College basketball, right around the corner. I can feel it. They have released the preseason top 25 AP poll. Auburn came in at number 22, I believe. So for all the Auburn listeners out there, Auburn is ranked 22 in the preseason top 25. But that's really like the Kickstarter to let you know that college basketball is right around the corner when they release that preseason top 25. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. It's my first basketball season here down on the Plains. Jacob, were you, were you here for that magical Final Four run? So I was a freshman in college, but I was not at Auburn yet. I was at a community college and then transferred in. So I was in college, but I was in Auburn for a lot of the Final Four run. I came down to a lot of the games, and I actually went to Kansas City for the Elite Eight against Kentucky. We drove 13 straight hours from Birmingham all the way. We left at noon the day after Auburn beat Kansas in the Sweet 16. So the day after that, because the, the Elite Eight was two days after that. So the day between those two games, we drove 12 or 13 hours from Birmingham all the way to Kansas City and got in at like 2 o'clock in the morning, slept in a hotel room, got up, went and did Tiger Walk and all that, went to the game, watched Auburn beat Kentucky in overtime, got in the car and drove all the way back to Birmingham Got home at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I went to class at 8 a.m. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't miss class. That's bad. Right. But So, yeah, basketball season down here is it's something that is building a lot of momentum, especially with Bruce Pearl now, who's making Auburn a true blue blood on the college basketball scene. Yeah, um, he really is, and I really think Auburn's going to be something special this year. Bruce Pearl thinks it, and if your coach is confident in your team, when you've got an electrifying figure in that role like Bruce Pearl, the sky is really the limit. And I wanted to talk about that too. The things that Bruce Pearl has said in the past few days about this team, he had his media conference because the SEC is not doing an official media day for college basketball this season, and so every coach is just doing some Zoom interviews and Zoom conferences to do it that way. But Bruce Pearl went a couple days ago, and he had some things he said about this team, and he said that Jabari Smith, the – five-star talented freshman that's coming in. He said he's the hardest worker on the team, but this is also the hardest team, hardest working team that Bruce Pearl's ever coached. So I think those are both huge and really good signs for what's to come this season. I agree. And um, the fact that Bruce Pearl would say that, he's not the type of person to just say that. If he thinks that his team is slacking, he will say it, and he has. So just to hear Bruce say that, yeah, where they work hard, I have a lot of faith in that, and I'm really, really excited to be part of the jungle. We're going to bring the noise, and we're going to make this the hardest place to play in college basketball. And I really do think it's one of the hardest places to play in college basketball. It's one of the loudest in college basketball, and a few of the reasons for that is Auburn Arena is not huge. It's only It only holds a little bit over 9,000 people, which is still a lot, but compared to some of these other places, you know, Kentucky holds so many and different, you know, different places like that, but Auburn holds a little bit over 9,000 people, but everybody's right there, and the good yeah. thing is everybody's right on top of the court, and the student section is right there against the court, and so when the student section, the jungle, is full and loud and proud, it's really, really hard to win an Auburn arena, and one thing about Auburn this year, 
the SEC media preseason poll was released the other day, and Auburn was picked fifth. So that is what the media around the SEC predicts that Auburn is going to finish in the SEC standings for basketball. They predicted Auburn to finish fifth. What do you think about that? I think that's low. I really do. I think that I think that we're going to be top three. And do you know what happened the last time we finished fifth in the SEC and were fifth in the conference tournament? No. That's when we made our magical Final Four run. Gotcha. I was I was a little late to the party on that. Um, that's what kind of got me into college basketball. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to – hopefully we can replicate that success. And like you were saying about the arenas, is I love how Auburn Arena, is, it is smaller. It's kind of modeled after what Duke has going on, and that's just absolutely, in my opinion, the way to do it because like Alabama and Kentucky – in North Carolina and Kansas, they play in these huge NBA-like arenas, and you're so far away. And that's just, in my opinion, that's not the way to do it for college. I agree. I think it definitely goes in Auburn's favor to have the smaller arena. It's, and it's not that Auburn couldn't sell out a bigger arena, especially now with the more talent that we have and how well Auburn has played in the past few seasons. Auburn could sell out a bigger arena. But with the smaller arena, it's louder, it's always going to be full no matter what day or time it is. And so I think that goes in the benefit of Auburn. Yeah, and we so, play Kentucky on my birthday. All right, there you go. That will be exciting. You better get there early. I will. So for college basketball, it's right around the corner. I think Auburn's going to be very good this year. I think the SEC as a conference is going to be fantastic. Uh, Auburn is going to have to battle in the SEC. I think there's going to be about seven or eight tournament teams, like guaranteed tournament teams coming out of the SEC, possibly a couple more bubble teams if they go on a little bit of run in the season or in the SEC tournament. So watch out for Auburn. Watch out for the SEC because they're coming. And I do want to make one statement about college basketball. The news coming out this week that ESPN announcer and just longtime college basketball enthusiast Dick Vitale was diagnosed with cancer this week. He said he is going in for six months of chemo. And so just want to, you know, give a quick shout out, you know, prayers and thoughts to him. He's just a huge, huge image in sports and in college basketball and so shout out to him I know he's gonna you know defeat this battle with cancer yet again and hopefully we see him back on the sidelines very soon good luck Mr. Dick so with that that is going to wrap up the big three when we come back we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics you're listening to Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM I'm Jacob Goins I've got Daniel Locke in studio with me this afternoon so we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics. We're going to start with Auburn football. So Auburn football on a bye week this week after a huge win on the road last weekend at Arkansas. They won that game by double digits on the road against a ranked SEC opponent. That's something we just don't see a whole lot nowadays. No, that's uncharacteristic, um, especially for Auburn, because I was talking about this with Bay Marks a few weeks ago. In the past few years, with the exception of Kyle Field and College Station, Texas, when we go take on the Aggies, a big matchup on the road, just it's almost like you've just been able to kiss it goodbye. And just we beat LSU and Death Valley at night for the first time since 1999. We get another um, win against a ranked team on the road. So maybe, just maybe, that's something that was characteristic of Tuberville and Malzahn and Chiswick, of course, in between there, but not Brian Harson. So I'm really curious to see if we can co- continue the success on the road. It's definitely a testament to 
Brian Harson and the things that he's doing so far, especially with the players that he has. Of course, we've talked about it before, the players that really aren't his. These are players that were here when he showed up. But like you said, Auburn winning at LSU for first time since 1999 and then going on the road and beating a ranked team in the ACC by double digits. That's just something under the, the last regime that we just didn't see a whole lot. And so some may say it's a fluke, and it may come out to be a fluke. We may never win something like that again. Or this may be a trend we start seeing in the next few years for Auburn football and Brian Harson. So I'm curious to see where we go after this. But good thing for Auburn, they're in, a, they're in the midst of a very tough schedule. So they have a very, very good bye week this week. Hopefully they can kind of get healthy, get some things worked out before they welcome Ole Miss to the Plains next Saturday night. I'm very excited for that game. Uh, one of my good buddies from North Carolina who I've made it my mission over the past like six years to get him into college football. Um, it's worked, but he's coming down for that game. Um, I'm really excited for him to see Jordan Hare, which hope I think Auburn fans are going to bring it. We're right back into it now. We control our destiny. We're coming off a huge win on the road against a ranked Arkansas team. I, it's a night game. The weather shouldn't be too hot or cold. I really think we're going to bring it and make it a tough place for Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral and the rest of these Rebels to play. No doubt about it. Jordan Hare is one of the most fun atmospheres you can be a part of as a home fan or an away fan. I've heard a lot of good things as away fans. Coming to Jordan Hare, they say it's you know one of the loudest stadiums they've ever heard. And most of the time the people are, are nice and, and welcoming into Auburn. But that's such a huge game. Another ranked team in the SEC coming to town. And like you said, it's going to be a night game on October 30th, the day before Halloween. So we'll see if the students show up, uh, us students show up in Halloween costumes. Or I think I believe it's an orange out, so I don't know. It I is. think students are going to be kind of torn on that. I wish they would just say wear your costume. I think that would be a lot more fun. We can wear orange against Mississippi State. Yeah, no doubt. So Auburn again on a bye week this week for football, and I think it's good because this has been a this is a tough October that Auburn's had to face. And so I think – Having this bye week is good. Try to get a few players healthy, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Try to get some guys healthy. Work a lot of those things out on the offensive side and the defensive side. Get those kinks worked out. You know, a couple little tune-ups here and there could mean that you know can make the difference in Auburn winning out or losing three or four games to finish the season. Right, and I really. It's doable. It is so doable. People don't realize how much Auburn really controls their destiny. Since this Ole Miss team, they struggled with an unranked Tennessee team that I don't care. I don't believe the hype. You know, first year under this um, Josh Heupel, I really don't think that um, the volunteers are that good. I'm interested to see how they do against Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I think that they're going to be brought down to earth, which makes this Ole Miss team look worse and I don't Ole Miss didn't have a good showing against Alabama most of those touchdowns came once Alabama had kind of eased off the gas a little bit so I really think we can compete and then after we play them we go up to College Station which is an extremely tough place to play however Auburn's been good there I think we can continue that after that, we have Mississippi State. Lord willing, that'll be a cakewalk. Same thing with South Carolina the next week. And then, if we can just win all those games, be 9-2 and two going into the Iron Bowl, be ranked in the top 15, have Alabama come in, 
Uh, I really think we'd be in for a special Iron Bowl. So, like you said, Auburn does control its destiny in the West, in the, in the SEC, because with the Alabama loss two weeks ago, everybody's kind of right there at the same. And so, Auburn, like you said, we play Ole Miss next week. And one thing to note, Matt Corral of Ole Miss is very questionable to play this weekend against LSU. So, we'll see how that works out. We'll see if Ole Miss throws Matt Corral out there against LSU or if Ole Miss wins or loses, how that will affect their ranking and stuff. So that's just something to keep your eye on. Most Auburn fans will be watching that LSU-Ole Miss game coming up this weekend because it's got big implications for Auburn down the road. And so, like you said, then Auburn goes and plays Texas A&M, a place that they have played extremely well over the past few seasons since A&M has joined the SEC. Auburn has enjoyed a lot of success there in College Station. Then we have, like you said, Mississippi State and South Carolina. Both games are not games to sleep on for Auburn, but games that Auburn will definitely be favored and should definitely win if they want to have any chance of doing something in the postseason. And then, of course, the big one, like you said, Alabama comes to town. Auburn has a legit chance to be a two-loss team as they are right now, Alabama to be a one-loss team, and we've seen this story written before, and we'll see if it'll play out like that again. But Auburn's got to get there first. Auburn has to get there first. They have to beat who's in front of them, play it week by week, but it's very realistic. I think Auburn can make that. They can make that Iron Bowl very, very interesting, being at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So we'll see how it goes. So Auburn football again on a bye week this week, and they will play Ole Miss at home next Saturday night. I really think um, we need Owen Papo back. I really hope he comes back soon. I'm not sure what the injury is. I know he got banged up against Penn State, and ever since then, I don't believe he's dressed out. So, obviously, it was worse than I originally thought, but hopefully we get him back soon. I've heard good things that he is very close to coming back. So, okay. hopefully that Maybe holds true. Maybe he'll be ready to go for Ole Miss. I think a bye week is really going to help. And like you said, I hope hopefully Ole Miss is the game that he comes back as he makes a huge impact on that defense for sure. He does. He, he's definitely a leader out there. And when he is playing together with Kobe McClain, they make each other so good. I think that's why we lost the Penn State game since Zagobi got ejected and then Owen got hurt. And I really think that's kind of what halted us. For sure. Their their leadership on the back end is just something that, that Auburn really needs at times. And we've seen when they're not in there, we've seen Auburn struggle, especially against the pass on teams that throw the ball. And that's one thing that Ole Miss does. Ole Miss throws the football. So I think Auburn's secondary and Auburn's back end is really going to get tested in that game. So I'm hoping that in the next two weeks, week and a half, whatever, that Derek Mason, Auburn's defensive coordinator, is really, really making some adjustments on that on that defensive side on the back end because I'm telling you what, right now people are throwing all over Auburn's defense, and I don't know why you'd run the ball on them because right. you can't do that either. Yeah, and um, like we, I think we gave up 250 something rush yards to Arkansas. That's way too many, and. I don't know. They've just they've got to find a way to slow down the pass, like you said, or we can't afford for Ole Miss to run all over us because that's really going to kill whatever this team is building. No doubt about it. So Auburn on a bye week this week for football. They welcome in Ole Miss next Saturday night on the Plains. So transitioning to Auburn soccer, they beat Florida at home last Sunday afternoon two to zero with two second-half goals from Marissa Arias and Sydney Richards. Auburn was tied at the half with a Florida team that is 
has three wins on the season, I believe. And then made some adjustments at the half. And like I said, Marissa Arias and Sydney Richards came in in the second half and put two away to give Auburn the 2 nothing victory. I was actually there covering that for my sports reporting class, and we wrote a couple of game stories out of that. So we had the, I had the opportunity to interview Marissa Arias, Sydney Richards, and head coach Karen Hoppe, asked them some questions about how the game went, what their halftime adjustments were, what they can learn from that win against Florida, coming into their massive game Thursday night against Arkansas, and I got some really good answers. I was really, really impressed with how they answered my questions, how they handled themselves in interviews. And so, like I just mentioned, Auburn now has a huge, huge game against Arkansas at home on Thursday evening, and that'll be right here on WGL 91.1 FM. And Brendan McLaughlin and Daniel, you're going to be on the call for your first time. I will. I'm very excited about it. Um, Couldn't ask for a better first experience. This game is going to be so much fun. I really think Auburn can get it done. Yeah, Auburn's going to have to play well because Arkansas is ranked number two in the country now as the new rankings came out a couple of days ago. They're ranked number two in the country, and they're ranked that way for a reason. So Auburn's really going to have to to play well. Auburn's going to have to get out of that slump where they start out slow. And every game I've watched this season, because I've covered quite a few and I've also called quite a few here for WGL 91.1 FM, and Auburn has started out slow in the first half in a lot of their games. That's why they lost to Florida State early in the year, because they got down one nothing in the in the first half, and then they won the second half. They dominated, and they should have won that game, but they started out slow, and that hurt them overall. So I think if Auburn can get out fast against Arkansas – in soccer on Thursday, if they can get out fast and get a goal in that first half, that will be huge because Arkansas, they're just really, really good. I agree, and I was um, reading through stats as I've been preparing for the contest for the past couple days. They are Arkansas's fast. You have got to keep pace or it'll be over before it's over. And both of these teams out are outscoring their opponents. It's like 30 to 10 or more for both of these teams. So they both teams score a lot of goals but then they also don't let in a lot of goals. So it's really going to be interesting to see not just how the offenses play on both teams, but the defenses. We'll see if they can bend and not break. And the goalkeepers, of course, Matty Prohaska for Auburn, has been extremely good so far this season. So we're going to see every position get tested on both sides of the ball, on both teams on Thursday. But I think we're set for a really good match. I agree. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to getting in the studio, and I really, really think that – or not studio, the press box, but I think it's going to be fun. What time is that game on Thursday? Do you remember? Uh, it kicks off at 6.30. It kicks off at 6.30. So pregame should start about 6.15. Again, that's on Thursday after or Thursday evening. You can listen to Auburn Soccer versus Arkansas here on WGL 91.1 FM. Brendan and Daniel will be on the call. Pre-game will start at 6.15, and the game will start – at 6.30, so don't forget. If you're in Auburn and can go, do that. I recommend it. But if you can't go, or if you'd rather listen here on the radio, it'll be on at 6.15 on Thursday. And if you feel like getting your Auburn athletics fixed a little earlier in the day, Thursdays at 3 o'clock, you can hear me on the Eagle's Nest. There you go. And so to finish out Auburn athletics, we have Auburn volleyball. Over the weekend, they split a two-game series with Missouri on Saturday and on Sunday. They swept them on Saturday, and then they lost 3-2 to two on Sunday. I was on the call Saturday. It was my first volleyball play-by-play. Really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. And Auburn got the sweep, so that was really, really fun to call that. 
but then they ended up dropping the second game on Sunday. And so now Auburn travels to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs Friday and, oh, excuse me, it's on Thursday and Friday, both at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. So Auburn Volleyball traveling on the road for the weekend. That's going to wrap up around Auburn Athletics. When we come back, we're going to do What Are the Odds? You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Goins. Again, Daniel in studio with me today. We're into the last segment of the show, What Are the Odds? We're going to run through some of the college football and NFL betting lines for the upcoming weekend. And for those of you that don't know, the betting lines are simple. When a team is favored, if they're minus three, that means they're favored to win by three. If a team is plus three, that means they're favored to lose by three or less. So to win, if you take a team minus three, they have to win by four or more. And if you take a team plus three, they can win or lose by up to three, and you still win. If you take the money line, if Auburn's favored to beat Ole Miss on Saturday and the money line is minus 150, that means they're favored to win. And you have to put $150 to win 100. But if Auburn is plus 150, you have to put 100 to win 150 because they are the underdog. So you, when they're the favorite, you have to bet more to win less. And when they're the, the underdog, you bet less to win more. And of course, the over under is what the betters in Vegas think that the two teams in the match will combine their total score. So we're going to run through some of the college and NFL picks for the upcoming weekend. And also, my picks so far on the show, last week I went 3-1, and one, Daniel. I went 3-1, and one, so now I'm 7-3 and three on the season so far. So maybe people want to jump on the train because I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. So let's run through some of the college betting lines for the upcoming weekend. And, of course, I'll give you my official picks. You can take them if you want, or if you don't, that's okay too. So on Saturday, in college football, a couple of the games that I want to highlight, Cincinnati and Navy. Cincinnati now the number two team in the country right behind the Georgia Bulldogs. Cincinnati playing Navy. They are a huge favorite, 28 points. They are favored to win by four touchdowns on the money. That's a lot, and I'm not sure if they get there, but just keep your eye on that one. Penn State and Illinois on Saturday. Penn State is a 24-point favorite as they are now a top-four team in the country playing on the road at Illinois. Again, three-touchdown favorite and then some there in Illinois. Clemson, this was surprising. I know Clemson's not very good, but they are an underdog against Pitt at home. So Pitt is a three-point favorite, minus three, against Clemson on the road. What do you think about it? You know, I really, really think that Pitt gets it done. I am going to take Pitt um, minus three. So you think they win by four or more? Yes. All right. And I, yeah, I'm taking that. Okay. And I'm, I'm taking the under. The under of 48. Okay. I like it. I like it. So, a couple more games on Saturday. Ole Miss and LSU. Ole Miss still not sure if Matt Corral, the starting quarterback, is going to play or not. But as of right now, Ole Miss is minus nine. So, they're a nine-point favorite on the road at LSU with a total of, get this, 76 points. That's a lot, but these two teams score a lot of points. But, not that Ole Miss will announce this, but if they do for some reason announce that Matt Corral is out on Saturday, watch both of those lines drop. I think LSU will gain some points as the underdog if Matt Corral does not play, and I think the total will also go down. 
So kind of, you know, kind of be weary on on taking that one just in case that Matt Corral doesn't play because you may get stuck with a line that you're not happy with. And a couple more on Saturday, Texas A&M and South Carolina, another SEC matchup. Texas A&M is a 21-point favorite with a total of 45. And I want to give you some of my picks for college. So Navy and Cincinnati, I like the over of 49 points in that game. I think Cincinnati will score 35 or 42 of them by themselves. I think Navy gets a touchdown or two. I like the over 49 in Navy in Cincinnati. And Oregon, I like Oregon plus two on the road against UCLA. I know Florida, or Oregon, excuse me. Oregon plus two against UCLA. I like the Ducks. I like them plus two. I almost like a money line, but I'm going to just take the safer one. I like Oregon plus two against UCLA on Saturday night. And then one more, Notre Dame against USC. Notre Dame playing at home. They're currently a seven-point favorite, favored by a touchdown. Buy down to six and a half and take Notre Dame minus six and a half. I think they win by a touchdown, but if you take if you take a minus seven, they got to win by eight. Not sure if they do that, but I like Notre Dame by a half a point. Notre Dame minus six and a half in college. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I'm going with Notre Dame minus seven. I think they get it done. Um, anyone who knows me knows that other than Auburn, Notre Dame is my team. I'm going to rock with them. Beat Southern Cal. All right. And switching over to the NFL, give you some of those betting lines coming up for Sunday afternoon and evening, and then, of course, Sunday night. Thursday night football, Broncos and Browns. The Browns are one-and-a-half-point favorites. That line has moved by three points since it opened up. So Cleveland is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite at a good Denver team. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. I'm not going to touch it because, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. Cincinnati Bengals playing or playing host to the Ravens. The bank or excuse me, the Ravens are six point favorites against the Bengals. Bengals are playing pretty good. I probably like the Ravens minus six, but you never know playing a divisional game on the road. Panthers at Giants. Carolina is a three point favorite over the Giants off of that tough loss last week. I like the Panthers minus three there. I think that's probably a pretty good pick. I do too. Give me the Panthers minus uh, three. All right. Oh, that Baltimore Cincinnati game. I have the over of forty seven. By the way, that's an official pick for me. I have. The over 47 in Baltimore, Cincinnati, I think those teams could get into a shootout, especially with Lamar Jackson. I think he goes off, has a big day. Give me the over 47 in Baltimore and Cincinnati. My next pick, Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are currently 8.5-point favorites at home. Give it to me. I like the Packers big. I like the Packers by double digits. I called it last week, and they were playing the Bears. It happened. The Packers won by double digits. I'm going to call it again. Packers are going to win at home against the Washington football team by double digits. So take the Packers minus 8.5. I'm going to take the Packers on the money line. Okay, you're going to take Packers minus 420. So a heavy favorite, but, you know. Never know. Yeah, if you put enough money on it, you can make a little bit of profit. A couple more games here in the NFL before we wrap up. Chiefs at Titans. You have Kansas City, who is a five-and-a-half point favorite against the Titans. I think that'll be a fantastic one there. You have the Jets and the Patriots. I saw that this is one of the, this is like America's pick almost. The Patriots are seven and a, or excuse me, seven-point favorites against the Jets. Uh, America's picking New England to cover that to win by eight or more. Yeah, I agree, and I think they will. I think the Jets are making strides. New England isn't that good. I could potentially see the Jets breaking that losing streak. 
I'm not sure how long it is at this point, but I don't think they're there quite yet. They need an offensive line. I agree. And what one thing that I always make like a flag of caution for in the NFL is double-digit favorites. Folks, I believe we have three of them this week. The Bucks are favored by 12.5 points against the Bears. The Cardinals are 17.5-point favorites against the Texans on the road. And then there was one more, I believe. It's Here it is. It's the Rams favored by 15 points over the Lions. So we have three double-digit favorites in the NFL this season. I always say to stay away just because it's so hard to win by double digits in the NFL. And to go along with that, I'm going to take the Houston Texans plus 17.5 against the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals are good, and I know the Texans are bad, but 17.5 points is a lot in the NFL. Surely Houston can keep it within 17 points. I agree. That spread's ridiculous. It's one of the biggest I've ever seen in the NFL. And yeah. I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it doesn't get much bigger than that in the NFL. So those are the picks for, or those are the lines for college and NFL this season. I'm going to run through my picks one more time, just to, just so you can hear them. I'm seven and three so far since I've had my show, so you can take these as you will. In college, I have Navy and Cincinnati over 49 points. I have Oregon plus two against UCLA. Notre Dame minus six and a half against USC. You're buying down half a point. In the NFL, I have the over 47 in Baltimore and Cincinnati. The Packers, I have minus eight and a half against the Washington Football Team. And the Houston Texans take them plus 17.5 against the Arizona Cardinals. That's going to wrap up What Are the Odds, and that's also going to wrap up Moonlight Madness this week. Daniel, thank you so much for stopping by yet again. I hope to have you on again soon, brother. Yeah, thank you so much, Jacob. I always have fun. I like talking sports with you, man. It's always a good time, and I'd like to have you on the Eagles Nest soon. Absolutely. Tell the people when your show is and and what it is and what time. Thursdays at 3 o'clock, we run through everything sports. This week, we're talking college football. We're talking UFC. I'm going to throw in some Auburn volleyball and soccer stuff. It's going to be a good time. You don't want to miss it. Good deal. So you can catch that and my show and all the other shows here on WGL 91.1 FM. You've been listening to Moonlight Madness. My name is Jacob Goins. You can look up Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to my show live Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. on WGL 91.1 FM. Thanks so much for listening. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.